Welcome to the podcast. We're street smart, business smart, all kinds of smart people share their insights into the world of marketing, career journeys, and personal growth. So sit back and prepare to get enlightened with your host, Adam Posner. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast where I bring you the best and brightest from the world of business, marketing, and personal growth to help you harness your inner tenacity and drive your career forward. Tribe, I am excited to welcome my guest today, Madeline Mann. As I picture guests on my, I, sorry, as I procure guests on my show, there are a mix of pros already in my industry, some close and some new, like Madeline. And I've been following her for a bit, and she gives great actionable advice on the job search, career journey, interviewing, and I knew that I had to have her on the show. She put herself out there, incredible talent, incredible content. So quick background for those who may not know her. Madeline Mann is a career and LinkedIn branding strategist known for her award-winning YouTube channel, Self Made Millennial, and her capstone course, quote LinkedIn through thought leaders, for thought leaders. And Mann transformed her experience as an HR and recruiting leader in, into advice on how to empower ambitious professionals for, to fast track their careers. And her work has been featured all over Business Insider, Newsweek, a whole bunch of fun stuff. And this year, she was named a top 50 person to follow on LinkedIn. I got to figure that out. I got to get myself onto that. But let's get right to it. I'm thrilled to have her on the show today. Madeline, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much, Adam. Here you go. So let's start off. For those who may not know you, I know that was a very lofty, a very thorough introduction. But like, what, what did I miss? What did I miss? Let's talk about your foundation and really what led you from where you were, right? Like where you started to where we are today. Yes. So at the core, I am just an HR geek. I absolutely love my career so much. I, uh, I was leading HR at a tech company and I was the one who was in the back room helping, you know, reorganize the organization, figuring out who's going to be promoted. I was the one who was on the front lines, uh, building the team and hiring people. And I realized that I just had all of this knowledge just from virtue of my position in my career that would be extremely advantageous for other people to know so that they can make the right moves in their own career. So I started just trying to help people one-on-one. -on -one. I would reply to applications online that were submitted and I would tell them why they were declined. And I thought, now they'll have this insight. They'll be so happy. Their, their idea of our employer brand will be elevated. Um, and that was absolutely not the case. Uh, they were very mean back to me. They were like, unsolicited feedback this is awful um so yeah. we'll dig into that a little bit more i, I want to pause on that one but yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and so and, and some people were nice about it some people were like hey i rewrote my resume can we hop on the phone can we talk more about it and i was like oh my gosh this is spiraling out of control so i thought i need to do something else so i started a youtube channel in october of 2017 called self-made millennial where i was like i'm just going to share all this information there and hope it hope it reaches people voluntarily and it has just been a ride since then and just you know i, I i've just met so many people along the way linkedin has been um an amazing uh, vehicle for me as well and um it's just been a kind of this extremely fulfilling ma uh, marriage between my career and my passion for helping people i absolutely love it so before we unpack the curtain uh pull back the curtain uh on what works in a job search and career journeys all that 
Let's talk about your own, you know, successes and failures, because I think we've all had them. And I think that's really where we learn about our own journey and we can help others with that. So has there been like a real, like a major fail in your career that, that forced you to really dig down deep and understand, you know, what you need to pull yourself back up? I would say that I, I always knew that I was going to go into a field that had to heavily do with psychology. And I, I went into a different career before HR that I ended up going to that career and um, I was fresh out of college and I was a, a straight A student. And I went into that job and I would just do everything exactly as they told me. I was very, you know, prompt and all that stuff. And I remember getting back my, um, my performance review and it was either like mid, like a three out of five or a two out of five on everything. Like it was just not, it was not great. I was not the top performer by any stretch of the imagination. And it was such this crazy wake up call where I was like, oh, in the working world, you don't just get a rubric and check the boxes. Like, oh. And then when I thought about moving forward in that career and going above and beyond and actually doing what I started to learn was actually expected of me, I thought, oh my God, I don't want to go above and beyond in this career. And so that was a realization to me that I, I like need it. to get really serious about making sure that I'm in a career where um, doing more than checking the boxes is almost, it's just, it's just inter like innate because you, you want right. to go above and beyond. That's, that's fascinating too. And like, you know, and, and I, and I kind of talk to a lot of, um, you know, young people that are coming out of college in their first job or an entry level. And I say, it's okay to not like that first job. That job is going to teach you more importantly, what you like, but it's going to teach you what you don't like. So when you start to really focus on what that next move is, you say, all right, well, listen, in this job, I didn't like doing Excel. I didn't like doing product inventory. I didn't like doing digital marketing, whatever it is. You know, you really understand what you don't like. And the same thing with internships too. And I always guide, you know, younger folks to take as many internships as you can. Paid, unpaid, right? But if it puts you in a position to learn, absolutely. So let's kind of pivot a little bit and talk about, you know, coaching on the, on the, on the job search. And from the inside HR recruiting perspective, I mean, you have read, like me, thousands of resumes, thousands of cover letters, you know, tons of interviews, you know, you hear that back channel talk, which is super interesting as well. You know, where do you really see people struggling and failing in their career search? Uh, I would say that the first thing is that they don't know exactly what they want. They'll put out a really wide net. They'll have a very generic resume and they will just shoot the resume out and people come to me and they'll say, you know, Madeline, I only applied to 50 positions this week. Like I, I really am only I'm 50. down to the dumps. Only 50. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't believe there's 50 positions that you want. Like how- 50 in your world and in, in what you do. How's right. your, your roles open in, in that niche that you do great? Right, exactly. And it's because they're just spraying the resume anywhere. And I call it hitchhiking for your career where you stick out your thumb and you just wait for whichever, you know, job to pick you up. And so- I really advise against that. It's, it's all about soul searching before you job search. And then it actually, on my end, I can tell who is that person who's like die hard. It says in their cover letter, they've reached out to me another way. They're saying, I really love this industry. Here's why I like your company. And here's what I bring to the table. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is the type of person we want to hire. Yeah, absolutely. And I talk about relevance too. So there's two things in my world that I talk a lot about. One is being relevant with your job search. I mean, I, I'm not going to go off on a tangent on the easy apply button on LinkedIn, right? I have my thoughts on that too. But it's really about taking a personal inventory about, you know, realistically, 
What am I good at? Realistically, what do I want to be doing? And being laser focused on it, right? And there's a lot of people that are giving advice here on like how and where to apply, how to like engage with folks. What advice do you give when someone applies, right? You're either going through the direct application, you're either reaching out to somebody of a reference there, but like, how do you really break through? How do you make sure that your resume rises to the top of your application, your persona? How do you get in front of the right people at a company? So I really think it's through other people. Um, it's really about, and it's the, the, the lukewarm intro is better than the cold email I've found. 100%, 100%. And so what I do is, um, is I help people to find just someone who be willing to talk to them. Like, Hey, um, like, Hey person, I, I saw that we both know Adam, like, you know, I was actually hoping that I could chat with you to see that you work at X company. And I was wondering like, how you're liking it. Like I'm thinking about applying. Um, would you just have five minutes to tell me a little bit more about the culture? And you hop on the phone with them, you chat with them, you really focus on hearing their story, hearing them out. And you're then also getting intel on the company. Um, you can then ask them to refer you or sometimes they'll just offer it um, themselves because they'll usually get a bonus for referring you if you get yeah. hired. Um, and, but no matter what, you just got information on the company, which can then be used to help you in your interview. And a lot of people, this whole thing freaks them out. They're like, I'm not going to e email strangers on the internet, but, uh, about one in five will respond. Um, yeah. sometimes higher if you your messages shot. are really nice. Right. And you got to step out of that comfort zone and, and take a shot. But it's really about that approach in that initial email and not making it about you and the job, but making it about them. For example, like I'm a product manager interviewing for a product manager role at a specific company. They came out and like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on the job search, you know, I'm exploring companies and XYZ companies. Interesting. I see you're a product manager. It's something that I like to do. Listen, I know your time is valuable, but if you happen to have 15 minutes to talk about your career and what you do there, it would be awesome to me. And you establish that and then you have your own advocate within the company. So then you apply, say, hey, I was recommended by Madeline. She puts a good word in. I had a great conversation with Adam, blah, blah, blah. And that's really how it happens. You have to put in the work. Like, don't you see so many people just literally spraying and praying and thinking that, hey, listen, I'm going to apply and someone's going to get back to me. Yes. And that's, that's the, what the majority of people do. And when people wonder, why am I not hearing back or why are there filters on all of these application processes? It's because I, I've been on that side. You've seen it as well. Like the vast majority of people have almost no qualification to the roles that they're applying to. Okay. And it is, it is mind blowing. And, and I think that the piece that, that they assume that every resume should be reviewed, every resume. But the problem is when you're applying to completely irrelevant positions, you're flooding the system and you're draining the resources. There is a human. And there's this big misnomer out there that ATS is this giant AI bot that literally sifts through every single resume. I promise you from experience as someone who literally, right before we got on this call, working with one of my clients, I am reviewing resumes for a position. So I'm looking at each one of those. I am deleting them if they're not good. I am sending a rejection notice. And if they're great, I'm moving them forward. There is a human being there and you got to stand out. So let's talk about standing out in a resume. What are some, and I love asking this question too, like when, when someone comes to you and they say, hey, take a look at my resume, right? What is the first thing that you do? What, what kind of lens do you put on? I mean, those glasses are awesome, but like what kind of optics do you put on to really check that person's resume to ensure it's right for what they're looking for and their goals? 
Right. So what I look for on a resume is what I call an achiever pattern. So I want to see that this person, even if they're going for a role that is maybe a bit of a tangent from what they were doing before, I want to make sure that when I look at their role, their resume, I'm like, okay, this person is constantly someone who has been impressive everywhere they've gone. They've kind of gone outside their comfort zone. They've learned new things. They've taken initiative. They've um, reached milestones. And so you need to show that um, all throughout, you know, accomplishments over tasks always under each um, experience. And then also really um, not undervaluing things that you maybe weren't paid to do or maybe weren't traditional experience. Like maybe you have a side project. Right. Maybe you lead a, um, a community organization. Like a volunteer group, right? Those are important. Right. But if you put something really kick-ass, like you, you know, uh, raise $50,000 for this organization through X, Y, and Z, like that's really interesting work that can translate into a lot of different uh, positions. And I think a lot of times people just downplay that and think, oh, well, I wasn't paid to do that work. So it, it doesn't count. How do you guide candidates on customizing their resume for a specific job? So I see, just to, like, sorry, just one, one, one last thought there. I see so many people and I see this a lot where people are literally copying and pasting their current job description into a resume. And they're like, say you're pushing for a job that may be to your point, you know, like you're half qualified, but it's something you want to move forward to. They're not putting in the time and effort to customize and prioritize their bullet points or their summaries to really be specific for that job that they want. So what are some tactics and tools that you advise on? Yes. So the job description for the role that you're targeting is, should be like your, your document that you really use and scrutinize. And usually something that they repeat a few times, like they'll might do like a little paragraph at the top describing the role. And then maybe it'll be one of the first few bullet points of something they're emphasizing. Maybe they're just really emphasizing you need to be able to, uh, you know, work really closely with our customers, partner closely with our customers. Okay, great. Build a really meaningful relationship with them, whatever it is. Um, that needs to be like your first bullet point for each, um, role that you're going for, or like really prioritize those bullet points and then delete ones. People, people forget this delete accomplishments, even if they're really cool, if they have nothing to do with the job that you're applying to. It's important. Um, it's important. So like, yeah, if it's like financial forecasting or something and you're going for that, like customer support role, just I know that was really cool and that's probably a big chunk of what you did. Get rid of it. Focus on these relationship-based ones. And a lot of times when someone's scanning your resume, they're only reading like the first or second bullet point and just kind of keep, keep going. So really prioritize those bullet points. That's interesting too. You read a lot of resumes? I yes. Assume, right? Like, so how have you trained your eyes? Because I'm curious to your, your perspective. When you have that resume on your screen, like how does your eye track? What are you looking for? Yeah, so it's um, it's usually the title, the the titles that they are, but then the title, company, um, and yeah, first bullet point or so, title, company, first bullet point or so. Um, that's like the first glance, and then you go back and you read more if it's interesting. It's so interesting. I think I and I see it too. I see people that bury really important bullet points towards the bottom, and they don't bring it up to the top. And I, I want everyone to listen to this we would love to spend an hour on each resume and like taking it home with us and printing it out and putting it on the refrigerator, but that's not the case. So you need to make sure that the attention span of the recruiter, I mean, listen, there's times when I could literally take 10 seconds and eyeball a resume. 
right? And I can tell you, because we're trained at this. And don't shit talk us and say you're not spending enough time. We know what we're looking for in that role. We know patterns. We know types of companies that we're looking for. We know things that are going to catch our attention. And a good recruiter will also see some of those kind of hidden things and say, listen, this person may not be the best on paper, but I see a couple of other skills here that are transferable. Let me dig a little bit deeper. It's your job as a candidate to make sure that that rises to the top and making sure you're putting the most interesting points, um, you know, first and foremost. Switch gears a little bit. Let's talk about cover letters. Madeline, yes, no, why, how, maybe. What's your viewpoint on cover letters? I am team yes for cover letters. I, um, I worked at like not as big organizations as other people. I think that there's um, definitely, it's definitely reasonable to say that if you apply to a massive organization, it's much less likely that they will read a cover letter. But um, for me, it has been make or break if I, I choose agree. someone. Mm -hmm. um, because it's, um, it's funny because I'm actually reading the book Start With Why right now. And mm -hmm. it's really, it's starting with why. It's like, I get so much information on your resume but I actually have no idea why you're interested in us as a company. I have no idea like why this role. And so if you're using your cover letter to say, Hey, so, um, I know about your company because you know, I really believe in your mission because of this. And I saw on the job description, you know, you need this. And I achieved this at my last company that would really match that. And you know, I'm like, Oh, okay. Thank you for explaining that. And it makes you stand out so much more than the other people who are just spraying the resume. Absolutely. Don't really care about the company. I mean, you hit on something really important too, where there's a balance between, you know, why you want me and why I want you, right? It's the same thing in relationships and dating and friendships, whatever it is. It's, it has to be mutually beneficial. And I love when candidates show a genuine interest in the company. And it's not like all about them. And it's not rocket science. Now, the problem I have with cover letters is two things. One, when it's when you're not adding anything to the conversation, when you're not adding any additional information, like literally if it's the same information that's in your resume, that doesn't add any value. Now, I think cover letters are super important if you need to explain a career gap, a career shift, a career pivot. Like if you're, you know, a working mom, if you had to take care of a, you know, a sick family member or relative, that's critical. That's when you need a cover letter. Now, let's talk about how a cover letter could actually burn you. This is so tactical and I say this all the time. If somebody sends me a cover letter and they keep the name of the other person they're reaching out to or the wrong company in there, if you don't cross check it, I'm not going to disqualify you immediately, but it's a strike. It's a swinging strike. It's swinging at a bad pitch. And it kind of is like, come on, like detail oriented. You need to be detail oriented in every single job. You know, how do you, how do you guide candidates on to have that perfect cover letter? Yes. Um, I, I saw you smirking when I said that too. Yeah, because that's that happens all the time. It happens all the time. It's so ridiculous. Um, but it uh, one thing I do is I also kind of try to one one tip I give them that usually kind of shakes them out of this this you know uh, this weird way we've conditioned people to write cover letters is I say read each sentence. If the sentence you wrote could be written by pretty much anyone in the country, then delete it. So. Thank you for taking the time to review my resume today. I have many skills, including communication, teamwork. I'm like, none of that. that, that is the most generic thing in the world. And that's not, we're not looking for these kind of like pleasantries and that kind of stuff. We're looking for, tell me what you accomplished. Tell me why you're here. Tell me what drives you. 
Yeah, that's a good one too. So let's fast forward through the process, right? So you get in the door and listen, we could spend a whole second, third, fourth podcast talking about interview tactics, interview tips, but like, let's talk about a couple of golden nuggets that you advise can candidate prep is, is the number one thing, right? Whether I'm recruiting and it's an outside job and a contingency role I'm working or I'm working in-house, you know, on a contract for a client, it's about candidate prep, making sure that they're set up for success in an interview, but it's really about empowering them to take responsibility for their interview prep. What are some tidbits and tips and tools that you give candidates say, listen, you're going in, here's what you need to do to make sure you're set up for success. Okay. So this is the one that gets the best possible like uh, success stories. So I help people to create what I call um, an inter interview toolkit, which is where we sit down and we talk about how amazing they are. And I pull out all this information about their past and they don't even realize that they have, you know, they don't think that when their boss went out on maternity leave and they took over that entire role, that that was really badass and that they did th things that were way above their pay grade and all that stuff. And so I pull it out of them. And then we create um, a story toolkit where we have, we kind of have these prompts where we write down a bunch of stories of them accomplishing great things. And some of them are failures. Some of them are, you know, where they had a tough conversation with, um, with an employee or something like that. And then whenever they get these behavioral interviews, or even, you know, when they ask about what's your greatest weakness, they tell a story instead of rambling on about, you know, their lack of attention to detail. No, they tell a story about how they, they overcame something and how, how they overcame one of their weaknesses. These are fantastic. And so, yeah, just having that list, you look at it right before you go into the interview, you walk in and basically every single question they ask you, you have like a great story to tell them. Yeah, that's fantastic. And, and one piece that I always like to talk about in, in, in you know, my career story was when I was transitioning out of American Express and I had an opportunity to work with a very seasoned career coach. And the exercise that we did over the course of two weeks was crafting my elevator pitch, right? Mm -hmm. And we took it where the exercise was, I started out where I literally was like, you know, a, a word vomit, right? I literally like, it was like three pages long. And she's like, no, you're going to get that to four paragraphs, right? And through that exercise of refining it and defining it, I was able to A, memorize it in my head, right? So that way, when I went into all those interviews and someone, literally every interview, tell me about yourself, right? I could do my career story perfectly. I didn't miss anything. I didn't leave anything out. And I was able to tell it the way I wanted to and be able to address certain things in advance, right? Why did you leave that job? Why are you there no longer? What happened over there? And I think that's a technique that really, like when I talk to coaches, I say, this is something that worked for me. And it's a proven technique that everyone should be using. Now, everyone does it a little bit differently, but let's kind of talk about the end of the interview process and follow up, right? Some people do it, some people don't, but really what's the best way to follow up after an interview? So I think that, so I always say persistence gets jobs. Following up, emailing a company is not annoying. It actually shows that you want the job more than the other people and they will prefer you over other people if everything else is equal. Keeps you top so, of mind. Yeah, so I think that always send thank you emails. Um, always try to add that personal touch to them as well where you really, you know, it's, it's very genuine. And then every five days, follow up, ask, hey, what, what's the next steps? And I think what a lot of job seekers don't realize is that hiring is, is, is not the main thing that most people do. And so to not hear back for a while or something like that, just never take no until it's a no. 
because they're just, they're busy, they're, they're distracted with other things. And by you being that person who is this helpful little timer that says, ding, like pay attention to me again, they actually appreciate it. Yeah. And, 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 and I mean, you bring up a really interesting point. Like there, there some companies are laser, laser focused on talent. Other companies, it's not the highest priority. And, and that's a whole separate conversation that we could have another time. But to your point, it's how do you stay relevant and top of mind? So let's switch, switch gears a little bit. You're an incredible content creator. I love what you're doing. It stands out. It shines. You've created this brand, this, this, this personal brand. And everyone's throwing around personal branding. But what does that mean to you? When someone says, Madeline, what does personal branding mean to you? How do you explain it? How do you explain it to your mom? How do you explain it to your friends? I think it, it's the, the feeling people get when they think of you. It's like this image that you're portraying. And um, it's also a level of quality that they expect with every interaction, with every piece of content, with every um, situation they're in with you. And so that's really what the brand is really this um, kind of inflated version of your reputation um, and really being thoughtful about the way you're showing up at every moment, because that is part of the emotional response that you will then trigger in people. Yeah, I love it. That's great. So you do, you know, you focus, um, and correct me if I'm wrong here, you pretty much work with millennials. Is that right? You know, it's, it, I, I have, like I set out targeted, you know, that, that demographic, though it's been really interesting. The people who have flowed in have been also, um, have been skewing a bit older, but then also I'm also kind of in that TikTok zone. So I have a lot of 18 to 20 year olds who are also really into my content. So it's been, but you're right. Like I have been like, Hey millennials, like I see you, like I'm going to, I'm going to focus on you, but it's been really fun to, to go both directions as well. And where do you see millennials are excelling? Uh, let me let me flip it around. Like, where do you where do you see millennials struggling in the job search? Are there certain expectations that are not being met? Do they, you know, think certain things should be coming their way and they're not? And I'm not like you know they get this terrible terrible stereotype of entitlement, right? Like, how do we break that down? How do we break through it? And how do you work with them? Yeah, I think I think millennials have been uh, they just get a lot of a lot of the advice they've been given have been by their, their parents that who got jobs in a very different time. And so I think millennials have, have learned to start sifting through all of that bad advice or not. I mean, it sure was good advice at one point, but now it's, it's terrible advice. And so I think that that's the thing that, um, you know, millennials are looking to just really step into this century and, and make sure that they are a, really pursuing their careers in the way that is most productive and even questioning a lot of things about education, all those things that we have been taught by our parents. Um, and so that's really something that I've just been hoping, like it's, I've been focused on a lot, de just basically debunking a lot of this crap that 100%. we've been raised to believe. Yeah. And, and I, I, I'm weird. I mean, like I'm on this like weird cusp, like Gen X and Y, like I, I like, like I still know what a, like I learned to type on an actual typewriter. <laughs> right. I know what a beeper was. I remember my first cell phone. I remember what a VCR was, but at the same time, like super tech savvy. So it's like figuring out how to relate, you know, in, in this talent world, how to coach people differently, how to understand where they're coming from, you know, what worlds, you know, what, what's affecting them out there. Um, you know, in your world in talent, like where, where do you think the, these, these gaps in understanding are? I think that it is, I think that, you know, what's interesting about job searching is that you, it's a, it is a separate skill. Like it's not something that if you're really good at your day job, that then you'll be good at job searching. And so I think if you're never, if you've never been the one who has been the one reading the resumes, who's been on the other side of the interview table, 
there's a lack of empathy for what that experience is like. And your, your, all of your thoughts are thinking about your situation and job search is highly emotional. So that is even more extreme and less likely for you to understand the other side. So I think that's the biggest part. It's just a lack of understanding of what it's like on the other side and then presenting yourself in a way that um, doesn't necessarily play to the strengths of, of that system. Right, right. Ab- absolutely. So let's switch gears. And I want to talk about I was kind of going down this road before, but I want to get back to content creation, something that you do, you know, amazing. So starting off in like those early days when you started putting those videos out there, what are some of those early lessons that you learned from a content creation perspective that you learned that you pivoted on and now you're excelling at? Hmm. Wow. No one's asked me that question before. I would say that- Welcome to the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, so first of all, I think I, you know, a few months ago I released my- bloopers. And one thing that people commented, a lot of people commented this is they go, Oh my God, I thought you were just good at talking as just naturally. And I was like, Oh no, 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 oh, no, 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 no. Wait, do you no, see no, this no, no. <laughs> shit here? Yeah. I, I do a lot of editing on my videos and now, you know, you can obviously see me now. I'm a lot more confident. I can, I can talk on these topics, um, without editing, but it, um, it took me years. It took me a long time. And so I think uh, while my videos might, I think you can definitely see my videos have evolved, um, especially with my comfort. But I think that it, it's been amazing how even just writing each, each video, like even writing the, 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 you know, social media posts, just to like a sentence about my video or, or a few sentences, how it's gotten easier. And I think we need to remind ourselves that it is going to be extremely difficult, especially in content creation in the beginning. And that when people make it look effortless, it's because they've put in so many freaking hours ahead of time see, to make it look that way. They don't, they don't see what's behind it. They don't see like the, the prep. I mean, I mean, look at this. Like I, like I craft my episodes. This is time and effort. Like I spend time to research you. I spend time to understand what you do. And it shows through in that progression of the content. And it's so funny too. You mentioned that, like I go back and, and, I don't even know what episode number this is going to be. I think we're like 63, 64, but I look back, I've been on this journey for a year of creating podcasts. And I go back to the first like five, 10 episodes. I was a different interviewer. Like the content was different. And I look at the progression of my promotions and the graphics and the way I'm presenting the show and people don't see that, right? They don't see the journey. They just, you know, they don't, you know, kind of see, um, you know, where you've, where you've come from. And that's, and that's really critical. Uh, what do you, what is your mission with your YouTube channel and the content you're putting out there? What's your purpose with that? It's really, so my mission, and it's just been, so my mission in my HR career has been every company I go to, I want to make that company the highlight of people's career. And then when I'm doing my YouTube channel, I'm like, I want to give people like, like their next job to be that, to be the highlight of their career. Like I want to help them get on that journey and really just make that super meaningful. And so I think, I really feed off of these stories that people tell me about how they have found happiness, how they've found purpose. And that feeds my purpose because I found it. Like I, I found what I love to do. And Great. the fact that there's other people out there who, who haven't had a taste of what I've had a taste of, like I just want to be a part of that journey. I love it. That's awesome. And how do you go about nurturing and building this community and audience around you and your content and your brand? I am always listening to them. I'm always, uh, it's all about the interaction. So I always try to, in each of my videos, try to be as much myself as I can be. 
And then I think that they really respond to that and not be afraid to necessarily repel people if, if they're not really into my vibe, which is there's plenty of people who aren't. Yeah, of course. Um, and then I, I just, I never do that thing called like where you post and ghost, where you just like hit send on something on the internet and like you jog away. Like it's all about the conversation because what you realize once you start building content is that it's actually not about you. It's about starting a conversation for everyone else to participate in and relate and yep. have their own connections. And so that's what I'm there to do is to connect with people and help them make connections with others and, and speak their own truth. I, I absolutely love it. So let's bring it home here. These are questions I love to ask every guest because I love the different perspective that everyone brings. But Madeline, what is the word authenticity, authentic, authenticity? What does that word mean to you? It means being your purest version of yourself, even though you know that not everyone's going to like it potentially. That's a great, great answer there. And what is the single greatest piece of advice that you've ever received that you take action on daily? Um, I would say that I, this is something I've been doing daily is I, I say the phrase to myself when I'm feeling overly anxious, I say worry is a misuse of emotion. And I realize that there's things like worry that are just counterproductive. And that the fact, once I learned that I could control that to a certain extent, control my own emotions um, and push worry out of my mind and say, that's, that's out of my control. That has really helped me to be a more centered, present person. I love it. That's, that's fantastic. And, you know, to date, you know, your, your career is skyrocketing, you know, your, your, content's out there, you're building an audience and a brand, but you know, what would you say is your greatest account professional accomplishment to date? Hmm. Uh, I think, I think my greatest professional accomplishment was at my previous job. I worked at the, uh, this company called gem and they brought me in when it was really, when it was small. And they said, Hey, we would, we would like to build a world-class company culture here. And I remember I started to like build things and do things. I kind of look back and see, is anyone going to tell me to stop or give me any guardrails or anything? And they're like, nope, keep just going, go. keep going. And, uh, and they just, it was just, a, a, I think that whole experience gave me immense confidence because I was able to build the culture that I'd always wanted in a company. And it was just, it was extremely fulfilling. That's awesome. I mean, good for you. What's on the horizon for 2020? 2020 I I'm really excited I, I I'm just I I will be building more videos more content um, I'll be reopening my course LinkedIn for thought leaders that um, launched in uh, last year and so I close enrollment I'll be reopening it so I'm just really excited to get like that next cohort in there that's awesome. And last but not least, listen, every day is not sunshine and rainbows, even in Southern California. And sometimes you got to pull yourself up. You're having a real shitty day, week, month. It happens to everybody. And then on the flip side of that, everything's going awesome. Sunshine and rainbows everywhere, right? And you want to show gratitude. What do you look to pull yourself up? What do you show for gratitude? What is your North Star? Um, where do I go for gratitude? I... I actually, I daily, I'm um, like, say to my husband, 
wow, we have such a great life. Or like, I love being married to you. Or like, I am just so happy today. And I, I really say that out loud. And I'm also like a, a words of affirmation person. So I, I yeah. need to hear things. I need to say things. Um, I think it's just really, um, if you have your health, if you have, you know, uh, you know, your safety, like there's just so much to be grateful for. And so I really do like literally fist pump in the air daily being like, wow, like life is good. And it's just, it's, that's as simple as it is. Awesome. I love it. Madeline, thank you so much for your time. I, I appreciate you. I'm really looking forward to continuing our professional relationship here and finding synergies. Where can folks find you? Where can they connect with you? Yes. YouTube, um, Self-Made Millennial, uh, LinkedIn, follow me, connect with me. Let's do this thing. Um, and you can also check me out on maldenman.com. Of course. And we're going to link everyone to that. Madeline, thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate you and your time. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Adam. Awesome. And to everyone listening at home, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Please be sure to follow, click, link, subscribe, comment, share, and do what we're doing right now. Take your online, offline, take care of each other, and be sure to catch us next week for another great episode of the podcast. Wisdom is forever, but for us, it's time to go. Thank you for joining us. Luckily, we'll be back with our next episode, jam-packed with more incredible humans. For more info, please visit www.nhptalentgroup.com.